This episode of Fort Worth Famous is brought to you by Guy Snoop, the Jerry Jonestown Massacre Podcast, and Plastic Object Photography. And now, here are two California girls who have become Fort Worth Famous, Ivy Anderson and Susie Ramone! Welcome to the Treehouse, everybody. This is Susie. And I'm Ivy. And today we've got a couple of friends with us. To my immediate left is... Irve. My name is Irve. <laughs> <laughs> and to my right is... My name is Jocelyn. And these are two of my very best friends. Yes. And two of my very favorite people. I've known Irve since he was 13. Yeah, 13. 13. Yeah, since Miss Llewellyn's <laughs> class when I first met Ivy yeah. in the eighth grade. Yeah. My first friend when we moved to Texas. Yeah, yeah. she sat right to the right of me. <laughs> it was Trevor Matthews in front of me, and then Ivy was like, where you were sitting at right there? She never said anything, ever. <laughs> she was just a tall, blonde girl with the blue eyes. <laughs> that's that's I her. I never spoke in that class. Yeah, I never said anything. But, that, I remember that teacher pulled me aside. She's like, you did great on the, what was it called? The tax test or something? Yeah. And I was like, mm-hmm. uh-huh. <laughs> she, was like, she was like, well, good job. And I was like, thanks. Uh-huh. And I sat back down. <laughs> I'm a good test taker. Uh-huh. Sure. I was like, thank you. <laughs> I got to go back to wishing I was still in California. <laughs> to go from not talking at all. So now having a podcast is <laughs> where all you do is talk is amazing. No, thank you. <laughs> thank you. That's pretty cool. She became quite the talker in college, which is where she met Jocelyn. So they were roommates, I think, 19, 20? What? You're, how oh, how you? old we Years? were? I was like, yes. I was like, hey, man. Well, she looked good I for being <laughs> born in 1920. Hey. <laughs> for 19 years yeah. of our 27. Right. But like, how long do we live together? Eight years? Six years? For about seven and a half. Is that, yeah. A long time. Joss dealt with my crap. I, rem- <laughs> I remember when Ivy called me when you came to look at the apartment and she was like, I found her. I found, <laughs> I found her. I found, I found the other half of me. Like you guys talked, she was like, we talked all about Disney movies that I had in my cupboard and like the Harry Potter books and the, like <laughs> you guys clicked. It was pretty clutch. Yeah. It was. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. So, Irve's um, playing Xbox right now. I am. Just, no, he's hooking me up with some good games. Yeah, I'm just trying to find some good games. I <laughs> to download for her? Is yeah, but I'm her? not, you know, I can't. You got to pay money for some of these. Are you paying for these? No, no, no. I I, I I have some needs. (laughs) He's just tossing around money. I only got got 1,200, okay? (laughs) (laughs) I only got 1,200 everybody else got, so. (laughs) Try to relax. Try to relax a little bit. (laughs) I think I already spent that 1,200. Mine is literally sitting in the bank, like. Mine has Good been job. sitting in the bank. Yeah. Good I, job, both of you. Uh-huh. Yeah, but I bought a bicycle there. the other day, so I've got like a thousand left did you, sitting in the did bank. You, get like you a spent two hundred dollars on a bike? I sure did. Was it a mongoose? Well, I can't talk. I no, it's a, a it's a Schwinn 
GTX One 700C. So it's like a cross. Oh my goodness. It's a cross. It's a um, dual dual action is what they call it because it's both mountain bike and road bike. That bike sounds right. like, that, that bike sound like it got a motor in it. <laughs> it does. The, the GX Twin Turbo no. with the shock absorbing. Customized seat. <laughs> like, it does have a very nice seat. Oh my mobile God. service thing calls the number and they come out and... Watch service my bike right yeah 100 yeah. exactly if something happens when you're on the trinity you're just like um triple a can you please come yes right Except for like, yeah. these guys on bikes roll up Susie, can we please see some identification i'm not gonna sit here and lie to you uh-huh. i literally never knew you outside of being miss and like i never knew your name was Susie ramon like until today <laughs> Until the intro. <laughs> Until just Yeah, five literally. Ago. Like, I would either just call you mom or. <laughs> yeah. Susie Ramon. That's crazy. So. It's like a real radio name. <laughs> I did that because I didn't want my coworkers to find me on Facebook. So mm. I just, if Joey, Johnny, and Dee Dee Ramon from the band The Ramones could do mm-hmm. it, so could I. <laughs> so uh-huh. I did. And then someone asked me to do a radio show. Uh-huh. And I was like, okay, well, do you want me to use like my. My Christian name? My Christian name. Christian. My government My name. government name? <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, you mean Susie Ramon's not your real name? And I was like, Why no. Is- <laughs> yes, it is. You so- want to hear my name that was given from the Bible? <laughs> The one, that's, you on my stage name. The, one that's, the one that's written in the family Bible, it's in my house. <laughs> and we're going to have to go with something else. But oh So now, now everybody knows me as Susie Ramon, so Incredible. I have to keep it. That Absolutely way. Absolutely incredible. Yup. <laughs> <laughs> Joss, what would you make your, your radio name? Oh, man, I don't know. <laughs> like, no, probably something with my middle name. On Instagram, I was, I was Wit Hope for a long time. Oh. Mm. Uh-huh. Um, but other than that, that's all I got. I remember when people started finding Jocelyn's Instagram. She'd be like, I have one, but don't follow me. <laughs> I, was, I, don't, I don't want your opinions. Thank you. <laughs> On the ground. <laughs> was that your um, inspiration for your Twitter? That is my, yeah. I have one, but don't follow me. <laughs> and if I let you follow me, then you are special to me. <laughs> I don't let very many people follow my Twitter. Right. You'd think I'd make it private then in that case, but no. I just block people. Oh, yeah, you're working cool. too hard. Right. I should just make it private. Mm-hmm. You like now have Tekken Seven. Block. Oh no, I <laughs> right. didn't. I didn't download oh. it. I didn't know what type of fighting games you like. Tekken. I, I play Tekken a lot, like a lot, a lot. Yeah, Tekken's a family fave. Yeah, for real, for real, for yeah. real. Like you're not playing. No. Like, no. I mean, we like used you're to play playing it at the movie you're... theater. We used to go play it at the mo- right. Isn't yeah, that where we play Tekken. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, and on the PlayStation when we first got one. Yeah, uh, it's a go. I yeah. Mean, I, yeah, I'm. I'm always king. King, uh-huh. I would smack you. No, you if wouldn't. You played with you. No. If I played against you, I no. would smack you. No, you wouldn't because I... I would really make you Fort Worth I, famous. I, I, <laughs> for getting obliterated oh in tech. Oh, my God. I am, what? I am, I am what they call a flailer. I just smack all the buttons <laughs> until you die. Oh, yeah. I would definitely destroy you. No. I would render you obsolete. No, you wouldn't. I, de- I promise to God, I would. That's how I play uh, Mortal Kombat against Brian. I just smash every button and I just start doing this, really. I'm going to do that at work. Yeah. I start failing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know that y'all was a tech. And, and tech and tag? 
Yeah, was yeah, it? yeah. That was a yeah. good one. Oh, y'all played Tech and Tag? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So we are, we, are, <laughs> we are meant to be around each other. And it's just, <laughs> this is amazing. I loved, loved, loved Tech. And we used to play in a basement in New York at my, um, at my cousin's house in Westbury. And we used to have like little tournaments downstairs on the PlayStation, yep. uh-huh. playing Tekken Three. Uh-huh. That's when my love for it like <laughs> started happening. Just remember playing my cousins and stuff. Nice. Yeah, it was a beautiful situation. Yeah, Ivy started with the original Tekken. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you like a real Tekken? OG. Yeah, she's yeah. like OG. Oh, take, don't take the words out of my mouth. Oh, I was like, what just happened? I was happened like, what here? happened? <laughs> Is we she both, going to my mode on me? <laughs> I'm about to be real <laughs> quiet. <laughs> <laughs> for the remainder of the podcast <laughs> until I'm taking off with time right. out. <laughs> Thanks for inviting me. Right. See you later. <laughs> it's time for me to go now. <laughs> so we do have um, Irve and Jocelyn on the show for a reason. Um, we wanted to do a bonus episode to talk about Black Lives Matter and the state of... Wow, that was really loud. The state of black lives in Fort Worth, in DFW, because we knew it was a conversation that two white girls shouldn't be having, because we can tell you how we feel about it all day long, but we don't live your life. And so we wanted to make sure you guys came on so that we could address things and talk about things and hopefully teach people, enlighten them. Uh They'll be banking the face. (laughs) <laughs> right, 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 right. The thinking face. Right, for sure. So that's what we're hoping for. So I was able to attend um, what I thought was just going to be a rally like a week a week ago yesterday. And it ended up being a, a march. There's a couple different groups on Facebook. One of them's, oh, man, why am I forgetting what they're called? One of them's Fort Worth for George Floyd. And the other one is mm. something my justice. Anyway, there are two groups that put together these rallies a lot. And a lot of my friends are all involved in them. And everybody's been going every day. It's been a week and a half of, of rallies and marches. And mm-hmm. they're finally getting the ear of the Fort Worth City Council. I watched the City Council meeting on Thursday when they were voting about the curfew. And everybody that was there... You know, because the public has a little a minute to talk, and they were all talking about um, after it was probably three years ago. It wasn't Atiana Jefferson. It was the death that happened. Somebody's busted. Is it your phone? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not here, Bucko. Put it away. <laughs> <laughs> so um but there was a, a a council that came together to talk about like what we need to do differently is in the city of fort worth mm-hmm. and one of the recommendations was a citizens review board of the police department and this was years ago and that has not come to fruition yet so people were like why why is this not happening mm-hmm. and in my opinion I think that it's all just part of the systemic and institutionalized racism that's happening in Fort Worth all the time, mm-hmm. where they're like, like the other day, Betsy Price came out and she was kind of glad handing everybody, and that does nothing. It didn't change anything. Nothing mm-hmm. changed. She just came out and, and said hello and shook hands. And it was almost like 
uh, defeating, you know? I was like, who am I to be morally outraged that she did this? But I was just like, come on, lady. You, you can do so much more. So anyway, I was just irritated by the whole thing. So, but I, when we were talking before the show, um, I, you two are coming from two very different stance uh, not stances but situations on what's going on right now so um jocelyn you want to i really liked what you were saying do you mind saying it again no i don't mind okay go ahead um i since the the event happened with um mr floyd i've been almost distancing myself um from social media from things like facebook um, Instagram and, um, you know, being pregnant doesn't help at all Mm because my hormones are already like on 20, but it's really hard for me to sit here and look at not only what has happened recently, but having gone through everything that's happened in my lifetime Mm -hmm. and continually subject myself to that trauma over and over again. I have not watched this video. The only video I have seen was the one of Philando Castile. Mm-hmm. And that was enough trauma for me. It was enough trauma for me to relive that, you know, with his girlfriend and his child, mm-hmm. and then to continually see it happening time after time after time. Mm-hmm. And I made my presence known on Facebook. It, it took me a while to post something, but I did. And I just addressed the fact that I really didn't care about everything that a lot of people consider to be small victories, like, oh, yeah, she got fired. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, they took her dog. Oh, the the cops are, you know, suspended. They're going to be charged. I don't mm-hmm. care about, I mean, I, I'm glad justice is coming, you know, to the it, forefront. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, my bigger issue is why those individuals made conscious decisions and felt like what they were doing was okay. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to get to the root of the problem immediately. You're looking at the, the branches and the leaves. I want to look at the root. Why do they feel like that this is okay? They would be irate if this mm-hmm. They feel like it's so far removed. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to even process because I'm looking at my family, my immediate family. I have a little boy. You know, mm-hmm. I have a husband, and I'm just trying to figure out if they leave the house... I don't have a guarantee that they'll come home. I mean, no one does. Right. But a lot of people don't have to worry about them not coming home because somebody views their existence as an offense. Mm-hmm. And so it's just been really hard for me to continually subject myself to things on Instagram and Facebook. And, and they're bringing to light more injustices that are happening, which are great. But each time, that's a different trauma. Mm-hmm. That's a different trauma that you process, that you live, that you internalize, and you have to protect your peace in some way, shape, or form. And everyone processes trauma differently. And it's just really hard for me to continually take that trauma in and function. Some yeah. people can. And, I mean, more power to you. But I'm just not one of those people. Yeah. I have a coworker who her her little boy is... 13 years old but he is six feet tall and just very big and he gets hassled you know walking down the street and he's a little boy and I'm like how do you even work outside the home I would be terror like terrified all day every day and she's like I just I have to 
she's like, I can't not live. I can't not provide for him because I'm terrified of, you know, someone telling him to quit jogging down the street, you know, or whatever it is. And I just, I can't, I would probably be like you and just be like, I have to not do these things. Like, I haven't watched the video, the George Floyd video. I haven't watched it. I've heard, you know, bits and pieces of it, but I, I, I can't. I just can't. It would be too much for me. Uh, for me, I kind of, I kind of come from the perspective of, you know, anybody who knows me like personally mm-hmm. knows I love everybody. Yes, it doesn't matter. Like I love everybody, and I treat everybody pretty much the same. So, from my perspective, for somebody to treat me less than because of pigmentation mm-hmm. it's kind of like inhumane mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying no oh, yeah so even like you know like with the whole George Floyd situation it it for me looking at it and seeing how everybody is now reacting to it it's like this one was like the last straw like this one was the last one that could happen period mm-hmm because I mean, being black in America is trauma. Mm-hmm. So there's no, there's nowhere you can go and then not be a quote unquote traumatic experience for you, right? I mean, there's little things that people don't understand. Mm-hmm. I could go to a club, and you know, I'll be dressed, blue jeans on, everything right, and I have my chucks on, and it'll be like, nah, you can't wear that. You can't come in here. And this is in you know varsity, um, in mm-hmm. West Seven. And I'll see somebody in front of me, white boy, TCU, short song, busted up, new balances, <laughs> and they just walk right in. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, they just walk right in. And it's mm-hmm. like, I just, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just came in here, I put, I made sure I starched my shirt, I did everything. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I can't get in. And it's like, that's just small things. And then you walk down the street and, you know, a white person clutching her purse. Right. Or... You walking next to somebody and they just looking at you like you know what I'm saying like you might do something, mm-hmm. and it's like, bro, I don't, I don't want none of your stuff. Like I got my own stuff. Right. Like what's the, like what makes you believe that I'm so much, I'm so much more of a danger than you are. Yeah. Like what makes you so scared of me? Cause I'm normal just like you. You go to the bathroom just like I do. Mm-hmm. You wake up just like I do put your pants on just like I do. Some people may put them on both. You know what I'm saying? Some people may jump into them, but you know, I put them on one leg at a time. Mm-hmm. Like what's the real difference? Even when I talk to like my, even when I talk to my white homies, mm-hmm. it's like, what's like, what's the real difference? Like, what is it? And I think the, the reason why people are so fed up now is because it's in front of you and you can see it constantly over and over and over and over again. You don't know how many times I watched that video. You don't know how many times I watched the Michael Brown situation. Mm-hmm. You don't know how many times I watched, you know, Trayvon Martin or the Amber Geiger thing. You mm-hmm. know, it's just it just keeps hitting you and it's like nothing is done. Nothing is done. Nothing is done. Nothing mm-hmm. is done. And there's proof that we're not making this up. Right. Because mm-hmm. before, you know, back then it was you know, oh, they just talking. It's just a, a rumor. It's just this or whatever. But now it's like, 
how can you deny it? It's right in front of you. They even said, you know, he had his foot, he had his knee on his neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds. The original medical examiner had said that he didn't die from, you know, he died, he died from under pre-existing conditions, under underlying conditions. And drugs. Don't forget. They said yeah. he was doing drugs. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> and then this poor family had to pay for somebody to, a private investigator, to mm-hmm. go back through and say, this is what really happened. Right. And even with that, like, it took, it took outrage. Mm-hmm. Think about that. It took outrage for him to even be charged. Yeah. Not put in jail and nothing like that to even even for the thought of being charged. It took outrage. Mm -hmm. It took millions of people going on social media and being like, yo, something is wrong. Something is inherently wrong. It took outrage for them to even acknowledge the fact that what he did wasn't proper police protocol. Mm -hmm. Like he did something wrong within their own system. It's Mm -hmm. not like. He made a mistake. No, he deliberately did something that was outside of what police are or how police are supposed to detain right. the mm-hmm. individuals. It took, like you said, outrage before they even acknowledged that. Right, but it, and it just it's mind blowing when I think about it because this isn't the first time. Mm-mm. Like this is not the first time when they did Sandra Bland, it was bad. Yeah. When they did Michael Brown, it was bad. Trayvon Martin, dude, wasn't even a cop. Right. And he walked. The dude for Sandra Bland, he's still out there. Mm-hmm. He walked. Amber Geiger from, you know, Arlington or whatever. She basically, she walked. And she shot somebody in his, in own, his home. own home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, for me, when I talk, you know, when I try to talk to my white friends, I just try to say, look, the way that you could help me out, you could speak out. That's great. You could. You know, go on Facebook and talk about injustice and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Great. Whatever. The only way things will necessarily change is through legislation mm-hmm. and through you keeping other people in your community accountable. Right. Because God forbid. I love you. I'm just saying this. Yeah. God forbid I shoot Ivy in the face. I'm I'm going to jail tonight. Yeah. And they're going to charge me with the death penalty or whatever tonight. Like, mm-hmm. it's not going to be a, oh, got to do it. What caused it? Yeah. It's not going to be a, you know, oh, she had coke in her system. Yeah. Or yeah. What was Ivy this. doing that right. caused yeah. you to do that? It's not going to be any of that. Yeah. They're not going to think about my mental and be like, oh, well, you know, he's a good kid. He comes from a good background. He just had an unstable moment at that particular, uh, you know, point in time. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be, no, you killed her. We don't have it on video, but we know that you did because you was in the house, blah, blah, blah. They'll make up something, forced entry, something like that. I'm going to jail. It's over with. Mm-hmm. But Ivy shoots me. It's going to be like, oh, well, what, what were the circumstances? What, you know, what was going on? Was, was it self-defense? She was in her home, so it had to have been self-defense because, you know, black people are inherently violent. Mm-hmm. So maybe he was trying to rape her and... You know, she had to protect herself and, and, you know, pull the trigger and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why? And that's the... That's the part, like, how do we move forward with teaching everyone, you know, to, to not just assume that black people are inherently violent? Like, 
you know what I mean? Like how that feels like that's one of the roots of the problem is that we are just taught that, you know, like that's something that you just, you know, if you see someone walking down the street, you move your purse to the other side, you roll up your window, you do whatever. Mm -hmm. But why? Like, why is that ever even said to someone, you know? And I just, that's the part that's like so heartbreaking is that it's, it's, it is just a, I don't, I don't even know how, like the words to say, (laughs) but you know, it's like ingrained. Like it's, I posted something the other day about terms that are actually like everyday phrases that are very racist. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is a classic example of, of casual racism. Like you don't even think about it because you don't know. Mm -hmm. And so you just, you just keep doing what you're doing. And even when you do know, you say, Oh, well that phrase doesn't mean that anymore. I don't care if that phrase doesn't mean that anymore. (laughs) You're still saying something that is hurtful to someone, you know, and just, it's just it, for me, and I don't know, Jocelyn, if you want to speak to it first. For me, it's it's just empathy. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, like it's like look at look at your own situation, right? Mm-hmm. You grew up in a progressive state, California. You raised, you know, your two kids three. in California. Three. I'm sorry, <laughs> three. Forget this one on the floor. No, because I, I, I know a bro- I know a brother too, but I be don't forgetting that Katie. you got another. Yeah, yeah. I, be, I be forgetting about Katie. Don't you know, that. God bless you, Katie. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, you raised three beautiful children, and then you brought them to Texas, which is a, a more southern, historically racist kind of you know embedded in the South, as opposed mm-hmm. to you know some place like California, and you didn't teach your kids to be racist, right? So it's it's just one of those things where it's just like it's it's just an accountability factor, right? Mm-hmm. If if the cops would have held that man accountable, George Floyd would be alive today. Yeah. If the cops would have held any one of the eight previous times he any, did something. <laughs> any, anything. Mm-hmm. If if cops would just be like, yo, what you doing is wrong, we wouldn't have any situations that are going on today. And then on top of that, the cop, cop is the first layer of making sure that, you know, it's accountability. Mm-hmm. Then it goes to the, the judicial system holding that person accountable, right? Mm-hmm. Why did I just read um, something the other day? There was a guy who had, he raped 28 first graders. I saw that. Yeah. There was, there was, there he was got a, like three and a half months per first grader or something. Yeah. Jesus. He got in, in total, yeah. in total, he got an eight year sentence. An eight-year sentence. There are people in. There are people in jail. There are black people in jail for nonviolent crimes like selling crack or having possession. marijuana. You mm-hmm. know, possession, and in jail for life. Yeah. So, it's one of those things where it's just like it's. It has to be some type of accountability to be like, whatever you're doing, whatever law you're trying to pass, whatever it is that you're trying to do, is incorrect. And it can't just be amongst the frontline people, right? It can't just be amongst people like us. Mm-hmm. It can't just be amongst, you know, just law enforcement or just, you know, it has to be all across the board. And that's what's inherently wrong. You had spoke earlier about, you know, Betsy Price doing the glad, patting people on the back. Mm-hmm. It's people like her that keep people like me and mm-hmm. others oppressed because it's like you can do the work. You can't. You actually have the power to do the work, but you won't. Right. And what? And who are the people that you're hanging around, the people that are around you, that will not hold you accountable to do that work? 
that's the problem. Yeah. Well, and think too about you were talking earlier about how we need to legislation needs to be changed, needs to be different. We need to do something different there. And Mm -hmm. how often do we have local elections that nobody knows about? You know, we had one. There's one next month. Yeah. Just so everybody knows. Yeah. That you just you don't know about. You don't know about any of the the items that are on the ballot. You Mm -hmm. don't know about any of the people that are on the ballot. You don't know about any of of what their jobs are. Like, you don't know what the Railroad Commission does, but they actually do a lot Mm -hmm. that you just don't know about. And so you have to have the right people in there. And nine times out of ten, nobody knows what the Railroad Commissioner does, so they don't even run a post in any way, shape, or form. And so you just keep the same people in there that are doing the same things that are, you know, lip service, basically. Nothing is changing. But why would you? Why would I? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, if you're that person that's in power. Oh, the person who's in yeah, power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was not, like, not what? You, yeah. <laughs> but if you're Wait, the, just one second. <laughs> if you're the person that's in power. <laughs> yeah. And. You don't want people to know about the elections. Yeah, why would you? Yeah. Why, heard, would, why would somebody yeah. want to know about those rules? Yeah. Why, why would I want to teach the general public about something that could necessarily affect now my family. Right. And the way that I've been living in my whatever square foot mansion and mm-hmm. you know on, on whatever side of Fort Worth that nobody really knows about. Yeah. Cuz I've I've been to some of those people's houses like it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like is this is the most for me. This may this this thing that happened was probably one of the most traumatizing things to me and it let me know like it let me know like who I was dealing with. So, I served I was um I had went to somebody's house and it was they had like the the next something Senate of something in, in, in the government and Betsy Price was there. Um all of the big officials of Fort Worth, they was all there. All of them. And they was literally in this house, secluded from everybody else, gated community, nobody could come in. Full Chevy Suburban, blacked out Chevy Suburbans in the, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like before mm-hmm. you can even get into the neighborhood. So they're watching you. Mm-hmm. So they, you know what I'm saying? So they yeah. know like normal people cannot come up in there. Right. Right. And they're having meetings and, and things like that within this, this house. Nobody knows about. Nobody's aware of. The only reason I was even able to know was because I was serving there. And the only other people that were serving there was other black people. In other Mexicans. Mm-hmm. That's it. So the subservient population were the ones that were there doing that, right? So in this house, it's huge. It's like this big, ridiculous mansion. So they got all type of artifacts and all type of stuff, right? So for the you know for the general public, when you're in there, you're just like, oh, you know, they got uh, this, and they got they're showing like you know white history and cowboys and. You know, they got deer stuff here, and they got this, and they got that. There's a um, spiral staircase going down into, like, kind of like a basement area, you would say. Mm-hmm. And I kid you not, it literally almost brought me to tears. It was a room bigger than than all of this, mm-hmm. of just African artifacts. All, like, African stuff. Mm-hmm. Literally, like 
all all like deep rooted African stuff mm-hmm. was in this white person's house who won't do anything to change our situation. But you have an entire room with everything. You know what I'm saying? Like my yeah. parents are really from Africa. Like, right. like really from there. Right. Like born, raised, came here when they was 25, 30 years old, like deep rooted. You have basically every single piece of possible history in this house just just here i was like what how how and why do you have this mm-hmm. why is this to be celebrated but we're not exactly why are we a museum to you and that's it we can't be nothing else we can't be human beings we can't be general upstanding people we can't be intelligent we can't be smart we can't be scholars we can't be none of that we're just regulated to that just pieces of 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 history insane like i literally almost cried and i was just like you know about us like you know Mm -hmm. you literally know it like you know about us you know where we come from you know what we can do Mm-hmm. You know we built the pyramids. You know all of that stuff. We invented a lot of things that are in America today. We invented them. But the only reason we can't benefit from it is because of U.S. patents. That's it. Mm-hmm. U.S. patents. That's the only reason why black people can't benefit from certain things. Then you make laws against us. Jim Crow. Mm-hmm. You enslave us. You... Take us from our homeland. We was up there chilling, having a blast, naked as hell. <laughs> <laughs> Running around in safaris, just, you know, relaxing, you know? Yeah. Come to impose a religion that we didn't ask for. Take our people, come to build the land, and we can't benefit from it. Still can't benefit from it. Mm-hmm. We've only been free, what, since the, what? Never. Maybe the the in in layman, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah. we've really only been free maybe what like fifty, sixty years? Maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Segregation ended in, in what, the sixties? Sixties. Yeah. Yeah, there was a I saw a post the other day with the the first girl who was integrated into a white school in, mm-hmm. in Louisiana and she's sixty five years old. That's not even 20 years older than me. That's 18 years older than me, you know? And that's appalling. It's appalling, you know? And it's one of those things, though, that as a white person, Mm -hmm. you're taught this, but not really, you know? The the education, white education in America is all education in America, and it's – it's appalling that the things I don't know, the mm. things that Ivy doesn't know. And it's because everything's it's terrible to say, but everything's like whitewashed. You know, you tell the story that you want to tell. You don't tell the real story. Right. Because like history, let's talk about history, you know, in in textbooks. Right. Right. So you have. When I was taking my basics at TCC, shout out Texas College of Champions. Um, 
They have history. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> they have they have history up to 1865. Mm-hmm. Then they have history, you know, 1865 and on, mm-hmm. right? Within that, you know, you hear about colonization. You hear about you know all of the the, the what you hear about the. Um, uh, 1776, the Declaration mm-hmm. of Independence. You hear about the Stamp Act. You hear about this. You hear about the Boston that. Tea Party. Boston Tea Party, mm-hmm. Shades Rebellion. Mm-hmm. You hear about all you know the war, the Civil War, stuff like that. Blah blah blah, all of that. Do you know about the uh, Tulsa City bombings? See, no. 1921, Tulsa City bombings. So what happened was there was a dude named I don't know his last name, but it was a black dude named Dick. He had um, got on an elevator with this white lady, right? The, the, the elevator operator was a, was a white woman. So in the city of Tulsa at that time in 1921, you know, black people couldn't really use anything downtown. They couldn't go downtown. They couldn't do anything downtown. They had to have their own separate establishments away from, you know, everybody else. And then, you know, they found oil and there was a bunch of oil rigs and stuff like that. So white people were making a lot of money back in that day. And the trickle down was coming down to black people and they were starting to, you know, make money and stuff like that as well. So they became entrepreneurs and things of that nature, right? So, you know, Dick was in in the city of Tulsa, whatever. He had to go into some building, go up the elevator to use, you know, the bathroom because it's the only bathroom that, you know, colors were allowed to use, right? Okay, cool. So he goes in there, gets on the elevator, elevator door shuts. Nobody knows what happens. All he knows is that he gets running off the elevator and she's screaming or whatever else, right? Who knows why? So then they found that to be alarming or whatever. He gets arrested. Okay, cool. So then they put him in jail for, you know, whatever. And the rumor is he may have stumbled on her, bumped into her, something like that. But, you know, they had to put him in jail for that or whatever, right? So in that city of Tulsa, there was segregation. Obviously, there was Jim Crow laws, right? You had the Indian Territory, and then you had the regular Oklahoma Territory because it was split in half for some treaty that, you know, they had to get. So moving on from there, black people, you know, like I was saying, they became entrepreneurs and stuff. They created their own basically like kind of like city within the city, Right. So it was called, um, it was on a street called Greenwood in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And they called it Black Wall Street because a lot of the businesses were booming there and they were black owned. So they had a bank, they had, a, you know, they had a dentist's office, they had a doctor's office. They had basically anything that would make it a, a community, they had it there. And those businesses were doing a lot better than some of the white businesses that were, you know, in the downtown city of Tulsa. So, you know, white people inherently got upset and was mad and, you know, got jealous, like, oh, how these Negroes over here doing all of this stuff and we have this, that, and third, whatever else. So, you know, it it breeded that jealousy. The thing happened with with Buddy on the elevator. He gets arrested. They go up to him, you know, the black people in in, in, um, in Greenwood, they go up to him and they're like, I don't know, this is wrong. So they go up to the, uh, they go to the police station, like, yo, we heard that y'all finna hang him or lynch him or do whatever else. Y'all ain't finna do none of that. And it was like, oh, no, 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 no. We, we, you know, we're not going to do that. You guys are right. You know, we're just going to keep him in here until we figure out, you know, what happened. Okay, cool. Slide up out of there, going back their business. Then they find out again, somebody had said something like they was going to do something again. Mm-hmm. So they slide back up there and they're like, yo, we got our guns. 
what's up? Y'all ain't finna do nothing to him, blah, 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 whatever else. No, 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 we still trying to investigate, please. You know, we, we don't want any trouble, blah, blah. All right, we don't want to hear nothing about this, you know, no more. So then that happens a third time. But after that time, you know, they kind of got a little physical and was just like, look, if we got to hear about this again, the next time we're going to come back, it ain't going to be, you know, whatever else. So they leave. And then, you know, white people in town had, had heard about the, the black people that were coming in, you know, trying to use force or whatever else, which, you know, didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So they pull up to Greenwood. It was a mob of, of 200, 200 white people that pulled up to Greenwood and was like, yo, y'all not finna do this, that, or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then they start tussling. They start tussling over, over a gun, saying, like, if y'all come over here, we finna shoot y'all. And the white person like, oh, no, y'all not, you know, and, you know, y'all invading our stuff. So then they get into a tussle, boom, shot rings off, you know, from the gun. And then, you know, people retreat. And then they come back with an angry mob of 2,000 people, 2,000 white people. And they come in, loot, bomb, shoot, and 300 black people were murdered that day. It is the biggest race, uh, it is the biggest uh, racial massacre in U.S. history. Not taught. And you don't know about it. Yeah. No. Why? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because then that, would teach, then that would teach white people like, yo, like some of the stuff that we did back then is crazy. Like it's messed up. It's wild. Mm-hmm. One thing I keep hearing on, online is like, you know, police uh, police murdered George Floyd. Well, what about black on black crime? Oh yeah. Okay. I, I hate that. Okay, so let me so let me ask <laughs> let me let me ask you a, a serious question. Black on black on black crime, right? What does black on black crime have to do with police brutality against unarmed black people? It doesn't. Nothing. It has nothing to do yeah, with it. Nothing. It, it it's focusing away from the issue. It's deflecting. It, yeah, deflecting. That's and, the word. And even then, if I kill Jocelyn today, I'm going to jail. Yeah. And I know I'm going to jail. I'm going to jail forever. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yep. If I kill Ivy, I know I'm going to jail. I know it. I know I will be going to jail, right? Mm-hmm. If Jocelyn murdered me, I know she's going to jail. My family knows she's going to jail. She's going to be brought to justice. But if Ivy kills me, I don't know she's going to jail. Yeah. And that's a reality. Like, I do not know if justice will be served. That's the only thing. That's the only thing black people are asking for. Yeah. Justice under the law. That's it. If you kill somebody I love, I need to know that you are going to go to jail. That's the only reason why the protests are happening right now. Because mm-hmm. justice will not serve. Look at Ahmaud Arbery. That happened three months ago. Did you know that? Yeah. Three months ago. Yeah. Isn't that crazy to think? And they, it wasn't that long ago. And yeah. they just got arrested maybe two weeks ago. Maybe. Charged. It happened three months ago. And the only reason why they knew that it, you know, it happened was because video came out because they was bragging about it. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, it would have just been another story nobody knows about. Yeah. Well, Ivy and I were talking about... Um, the the man and woman in Central Park or wherever it was. Yeah, the six Central, Central Park. Park yeah, Central Park Five. Excuse me. Yeah. Or no, j- just recently with the 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 bird oh, the wa- white lady the with the oh. yeah. her name Amber. I don't know what her what, name. Whatever her yeah, name. Yeah, Amy Amy Cooper. Amy. That's but, her. And yeah. Christopher. You know. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. And how? I mean, it it shocked me that 
that that would be someone's reaction to a, a someone saying, hey, you know, you're not following what we're supposed to be doing right now with, you know, having your face covered and having your dog on a leash and all of these things. And she's like, I am going to mess up your entire life. And she just felt she had the right to do that. Like, wh- why? Wh- how? What? I think that... I mean, it's it's an easy answer, and yet it's a complex answer at the same time. Because all of this, in my perspective, is just a, a struggle of power. And mm-hmm. that's what it has been. Um, humans innately like to feel like they are in power. They want to feel like they have control. And a lot of times how they do that is they put someone under them that makes them feel like they have that control. They have that upper hand. They are the authority in a position. And a lot of times it happens innately. A lot of times people put in structures for that to happen. And um, that is what slavery was built off of. I mean, not only are you controlling a population of people, that you physically have taken them, put them in a position to where they know that they are less than you. Mm-hmm. And historically, if anyone cares to go back that far and, and actually look at what slavery was, um, they took a population of people from their home, they removed them from everything they knew, they physically and psychologically broke them. It's one thing to confine someone, but if you take away their psychological grounding, mm-hmm. then you basically can get that person to believe anything you want them to. And that's what they did with slaves. They removed them from their families. They separated them. They put them in positions to where they knew that if they didn't do X, Y, and Z, they weren't getting fed. They were getting physically abused. They were getting, you know, sexually abused. At that point, all you have is survival. And you're doing anything and everything you can to survive. Mm-hmm. A lot of us don't understand that because we've never been in a position to where we have to do whatever we have to do to survive. Mm-hmm. So it's hard for us to connect to the notion of what our or what you know what, what our ancestors went through as slaves because we pretty much have it we think we have it made. We can go to work, we can get paid, we can buy what we want, you know, quote unquote no one can tell us what to do. Mhm. We have it good. But if you look back, you have a population of people who know that the subservient population that they're trying to control is powerful. So they have to mentally break them. They have to put them in a position where they think that they are the all-knowing ruler, authoritative figure in their life. So now you have a subservient population who looks at this other population as their masters. That's all they know. Mm -hmm. They're having children. They're bringing children in. They know that these children are going to be strong because they need them to be strong. They're literally... um, What's the word? Uh, <laughs> they're literally trying to... Everybody take a shot. <laughs> you know, in that time frame, mate uh-huh. these individuals to, to bring forth the most strong or resilient offspring. Selective breeding. Selective breeding of people. Oh, I'm sorry. At that point in time, they were not people. They were property. They were, they were physical and manual labor. They didn't have the ability to be on the same level because if I let them know they're the same as me, they have the opportunity to demand more. We can't have that. Mm-hmm. So you have this population of, of 
homo sapiens who don't believe that they're human. They don't believe that they're people. They don't believe that they have rights because this, the dominating population is proving that to them time after time after time. So, you, I mean, you fast forward, like you said, slavery ended, I think my grandparents showed me a document where I think five generations ago, we have slave papers on one of my mm-hmm. grandfathers. That was, that's really recent. Yeah. So up until then, you have people who were owned by other people. That means they were told that they weren't really people. They were mm-hmm. property. Mm-hmm. I own you. I can do whatever I want to you, and it's legal because you are not human. That has psychological repercussions that no one can even begin to, to put on paper. Mm-hmm. And so now you have a population of, of their descendants who are just now understanding just now understanding, hey, we have rights and we have the ability to push those rights onto the people who say we don't. On the flip side, you know, the, the slave owners, descendants, are, have also been psychologically damaged because they're growing up with this certain notion that they are above. Mm-hmm. They are above the population that doesn't look like them. They are above somebody because... That's what I was taught. That's what I saw. That's what my family has lived off of, have thrived off of. And so it's not that I, I look at a white person and I think their ancestors had slaves. Mm-hmm. Half the time I know, somewhere along the line, they did. But I'm not holding them accountable for that. But I'm also not negating the fact that your family's ideals, somewhere down the line, were established by the notion and the historical concept of slavery and demeaning a whole population. Mm-hmm. So if we look today, a lot of the injustices that were placed against us or just people of color, because this is happening all over the world, came from the psychological damages from slavery. And people are so sensitive now that they think that bringing light to that, I'm automatically attacking you. Mm-hmm. No, I'm just letting you know, there are some things that you and I your gener- your generation, my generation, your nationality, my nationality, there are things that we have to unlearn mm-hmm. because they are not conducive to us living and thriving as human beings, as, e- as the equals that you guys say that we are. Mm-hmm. You're saying that we're equal. You're saying this, that, and the third. And yet I can see directly the discrepancies that have come from, from, his- from years and years and generations and generations of learned behavior that needs to be unlearned right now Mm -hmm. there's no reason why someone should be offended if i say black lives matter right and there's no reason why your rebuttal should be all lives matter logically we know that yeah um shannon sharp said um in one interview he said when someone comes back and says all lives matter it's like your house being on fire and you call the Fire department. Fire department. <laughs> the fire department. And they come. These are pregnancy like, hormones right? talking. Not just pregnancy this. Brain. Is a, yeah. You're like, my house is on fire. And they're like, yeah, we know. But we need to spray all the houses on this street because all these houses matter, not mm-hmm. just yours. But my house is the one on fire. Mm-hmm. And I even saw um, a, 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 a word on, on Luke 15. Mm-hmm. Jesus left the flock to go get one. Mm-hmm. He's not saying the 99 are, in, are unimportant. The 99 are safe. They're grazing. They're, they're chilling. 
but he lost one. So let me go find that one mm-hmm. because that one is important. He's not negating the value of the others. If Ivy went missing, would you be like, but all my kids matter? <laughs> no. no. Brian and Absolutely Katie not. are safe. Mm-hmm. I know where they are. I don't know where Ivy is. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do everything in my power to find Ivy because she matters just as much as the other two who I know are not suffering. And people are negating the fact that we're not saying that we know all lives matter. Mm-hmm. We, we want everyone to believe that all lives matter, but you have to include all lives in the all lives matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that proves to us that you don't consider our lives of value. Mm-hmm. You don't consider this subservient population something worth fighting for. Getting minimalized and marginalized, even when, while trying to say, I don't want to die today for yeah. going to the corner store to get a Fanta or for taking a jog or for getting pulled over. Like, we all say racism is bad, and yeah. yet there are so many people fighting against the eradication of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, don't, I don't understand that, and I wish I had paid more attention to what I was reading, because I can't remember the, the woman's name or when she did it, but she was serving an audience, and she asked the white members of the audience... Jane Elliott. Thank you. Thank you. Jane Elliott, to stand if they would like to be treated the way black people were treated. And I, no I one moved. That. that should let you know there is a problem. That you understand. Because had that <laughs> been the reverse, yeah. you want to be... Yes. Yes. I want to be treated mm-hmm. like... The vanilla population, because that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. What they are? <laughs> I, I always, I always say it the same way. I always, always, every time I'm like my chocolate friends, and my friends look at me, and I'm like, what they are? <laughs> chocolate is um, sweet. And, <laughs> and, and my friends, are you know, sweet. if you want to, if if anyone like just wants to find the understanding, there are books. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're yeah. just too embarrassed to be like, hey, can you? Can you just tell me about what it's like to be black? Because that's an awkward question. I mean, there's a book called White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo. Look it up. Yeah. Read mm-hmm. it. It's trending on Amazon right yeah. now. The Everybody new- buy it. <laughs> the, new- <laughs> the New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander. Um, the The Dying of Whiteness by Jonathan Wetzel. And there's one more. Oh, I'm in education. So I've read Why Are All the Black Kids Sitting Together in the Cafeteria. Mm-hmm. I've read it that is poignant. One. We you had it in our be, apartment. You don't, have to be, you don't have to be in education to get an understanding because it's not just out here in our everyday lives in our street. It's in our, our kids' lives. Mm-hmm. It's in our educational system. So, I mean, and that's by um, Beverly Tatum. Educating yourself is the best thing that you can do to initiate change. Mm-hmm. Because... Granted, like Irv said, um, there are so many things that aren't taught. And don't feel bad, Mom, because there are things that we don't know. Oh, yeah. There are things that we were never taught. And so how are we supposed... I mean, at one point, we weren't even allowed to read. Mm-hmm. So they've even conditioned us to feel like education is something that is white. Talking proper is something that is white. Mm-hmm. Increasing your vocabulary. You sound like a white girl. That's fine. I'll be that white girl. You know? <laughs> yeah. But educating yourself is the best way for you to say, hey, I know I don't live that life, but I know what I can do to make sure that your lives are treated as equal as possible in either our, our community, in our state, 
hopefully if enough people are willing to put themselves in that position, that it'll permeate throughout our, our nation, our country, our world, because it's not just happening here. There's a reason why they're doing the same protests in, in England and overseas, mm-hmm. because there are people of color in other places who are being treated the exact same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it just—it's <laughs> just, just like she said. I, if I could sum it up in one word, just like I was telling you earlier, it's accountability. Mm-hmm. That's literally it. It's just holding everybody accountable. If my brother does something bad to you, I'm finna go to his house and I'm finna tear something up because it's like, bro, don't treat you don't treat people like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if people really was living by the golden rule none of this would be happening yeah like at all but there's a certain there's a certain piece of the population that is not and you know i see stuff all the time about like um people saying well you know i don't understand why people are looting and protesting and blah 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 they need to find a a different way to do it (laughs) they tried all the other ways to do it (laughs) we we tried to march yeah tried to kneel we tried we tried to march right. they shot us they shot they shot a shot martin luther king mm-hmm. we tried to build away from you guys tulsa city bombing we tried you know what i'm saying like we tried to protest we, we tried to kneel yeah colin kaepernick mm-hmm. y'all kneeled on george floyd's neck so what else what else would you what else are you expecting for us to do we've literally tried everything everything mm-hmm. we literally tried everything but nobody, nobody, nobody within that, us. yeah, nobody with that within that community heard anything, right? So I, I I tried to put it to somebody like this. I said, okay, you want us to protest a different way? Okay, cool, I understand. Why didn't y'all protest a different way when they were enacting the Stamp Act against you know people back then? Why did you have to? put all the tea in a Boston Harbor. Mm-hmm. Why couldn't you have found a different way to express your displeasure with Parliament? I'm sure that wasn't calm. <laughs> right. Right. There you were was, like one tea bag at a time right. into yeah. the harbor. You had a revolutionary <laughs> war. You, talk, <laughs> like, you talking about, you don't see, you yeah. talking about looting and, and taking sneakers and stuff like that that people had insurance on. I don't think they had insurance on all that tea back then. So you was literally throwing away product throwing away product but you know people run up in stores and blah 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 whatever else and all of a sudden that they got insurance on and all of a sudden oh you guys just want to loot and y'all just want to do this because you want to be you know you just want to be you want to steal yeah you you just want to steal stuff and you don't want to just use your mind and, and get out of whatever situation that you're in and blah 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 do you know about redlining yes yeah, about raising the property taxes to to make sure people can't buy there mm-hmm. or can't stay there, mm-hmm. can't do whatever. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So they but literally, take... I learned about it recently. This week. But you learned about it, yeah, yeah. right. But yeah. the, but the thing is accountability. You mm-hmm. took it upon yourself to say, you know what? Let yeah. me learn about this. Let me learn yeah. about this. Let me learn about that. Because they didn't teach me about the Tulsa City bombings. Right. I learned that. I learned that maybe like a couple years ago, but I had to review maybe. Three days ago, I watched mm-hmm. a little YouTube video. It's like 40-some minutes on it. You know what I'm saying? So the information is there for you to to not be ignorant to. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people are just like, oh, well, you know, it's 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 just like that. Black people are just inherently more violent. They're just like that. 
But how do you know? Yeah. Just because you see, you know what I'm saying? Just because you listen to rap music? I, I think that more, com- I know more white people who know more rap songs than I do. <laughs> 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 right. <laughs> but yeah. I think that comes back to what Irv was saying earlier. It's just empathy. Yeah. You have empathy and accountability are going to be, and then knowing about elections and Educating, putting it into, yeah. yeah, are going to be what helps us make these changes. Because if you can't, like I, I was like sobbing the other day thinking, Irv rides the train to work. And to think that like some random white lady would say something to him or cause him problems when he's just listening to his headphones and Snapchatting your guys' terrible outfits. (laughs) (laughs) For real. (laughs) So like minding his business. And then if I got a text that said, hey, Irv didn't make it Mm -hmm. home today. And that's the part that is just tearing me up on Facebook. I'm like. You guys, these are our friends. These are people we know. These are people we grew up with. And I don't know what you've done in the 10 years since high school, but somehow you forgot that. Like, how did you forget that these are real people that matter to us? Mm -hmm. And you're just choosing to look away. You're choosing to look away. Yeah, you don't. Because you don't want to be uncomfortable. You don't want to acknowledge your own culpability in all of it by not voting by not understanding what's on the ballot by allowing people to just stay in their positions of power that shouldn't be in their positions of power or like jocelyn was saying deflecting saying Mm -hmm. you know well that's not the number one reason people are it shouldn't Mm -hmm. be a reason anyone is dying Mm -hmm. that's the part i don't understand this is really not like a debatable issue this is real life stuff that you can see and you can see it everywhere because everybody's filming it. So yes. it's not really, and it shouldn't take people filming things. But for this sweet man in the park in the park to have to say, okay, this woman is weaponizing her whiteness against me. So let me start filming her so that I can say, no, look, like this isn't what happened. Like mm-hmm. that should never be something that's happened. Yeah, because if it, was, if it was a he said, she said, yeah. they're going to believe her, not him. But even then, even even on camera, there's like the Michael Brown situation was on camera. Yeah. And he still got off. Yeah. Amber Geiger was on camera and it's st- she still got off. She still basically got off. Yeah. So yeah, it was very the, minimal. So then what? Yeah. So then literally what? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like the the Charleston nine, the, the dude that, you know, the white dude that went in there mm-hmm. and prayed the with the people in there in the church and then sprayed everybody down. Yeah. He was mentally unstable. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. He, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. What about the dude? What about the dude in the in the, in the movie theater in Aurora, Colorado? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. what what about Sandy Hook? What about the Boston bomb bombing? Mm-hmm. Oh, all right, cool. But those were terrorists. The the Boston bombing was a terrorist. I understand. <laughs> The, yeah, those are things that, are, that those are things why I just where people are like you know, you know, but when they bring up, but bla- that's that's the difference between a white person going in and killing people and a brown person going in and killing people. One's a terrorist and one's mentally unstable. Look at the other. <laughs> look at the. Uh, I don't know if y'all saw the conversation with um, the lady on Fox with uh, LeBron James when she told him to shut up and dribble. <gasps> 
I saw it. Oh, oh you my didn't, gosh. You didn't know no, about I didn't, that? No. Uh, yeah, oh, so basically, you know, LeBron LeBron yeah. James was was uh, highlighting, you know, the injustices and stuff like that. They wore shorts, shirts that said, I can't breathe, you know, before mm-hmm. basketball games and stuff. And she was saying, you know, you just need to shut up and dribble and you don't know anything about politics, stuff like that. So why would you even insert yourself in that type of conversation, right? So Drew Brees just got a lot of backlash maybe two days ago mm-hmm. because he was saying, I'll never respect anybody who, you know, won't stand up for the flag or whatever else. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, he has a right to be able to speak on his, you know, views and stuff like that, that, blah, blah, blah. But but the part of that, I'm sorry, I need to speak to the mic. The, (laughs) the, The part of that that is so infuriating and frustrating is because you can recognize that, but none of her peers that are next to her can recognize that. That's wrong. Yeah. And that's accountability. That's all that it is. It's just accountability. Mm-hmm. I think they can. I think they do acknowledge it. But I also think that guilt is a very powerful emotion. And no one wants to feel guilty. And a lot of, a lot of our vanilla counterparts will see things like that. And there is, I'm sure there's a twinge of guilt. Because I'm, I'm benefiting from a system that's ultimately putting these individuals down. Mm-hmm. But you have to be willing to acknowledge the feelings that you're feeling and still have the intestinal fortitude to say, I'm not going to be passive in this. You know, I can still feel guilty. I can be it can be really uncomfortable, but I can still stand up and say, hey, you guys, that's not how this situation could have been handled or I don't think this is right. Or, you know, just being I I saw videos of of women shielding, you know, Mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. standing. I, I don't know what else to do, but I can at least stand here for you. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people don't realize we are put in uncomfortable situations every single day. I don't like being uncomfortable, <laughs> but these are moments that I have to live through. Mm-hmm. I have to. Otherwise, you're not living. Right. I, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm at a standstill. Yeah. You know, um, I don't like being seen as the angry black woman. I'm not I'm not I'm never angry. I'm probably the opposite of angry majority of the time. Your face but, doesn't show it enough, ever. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the moment I stand up and say, hey, don't do that, all of a sudden now I'm aggressive. Mm-hmm. I'm angry. I'm, I'm being too assertive. It wasn't that big of a deal. Obviously it was. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've seen it happen firsthand when we worked together. I, w- I wasn't angry, but I was just like, yo, you can't talk to people that way. Mm-hmm. Something mm-hmm. as simple as that. And all of a sudden now... I'm the bad guy because I called you out. Right? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to try not to get teary-eyed, but <laughs> I've posted I've already gotten teary-eyed, so it's all right. Ivy posted on Facebook, um, and it was crazy. Ivy and another one of my vanilla friends had posted, and they just basically recalled situations that they have been in with me to where they have seen how differently I have been treated or how differently I had to process situations or how differently I had to approach situations in contrast to, you know, situations that involved, you know, things with them. Mm-hmm. And I was, I even just, my husband was like, did you read this? And he was like, <laughs> no, I don't, I don't have Facebook. I was like, well, you need to read this. <laughs> because, I mean, and these two things that happened years ago. Mm-hmm. Things that... But they only happened years ago. It wasn't like it was a whole life time ago right it's recent history 
But to me, I deal with so many of those situations on a daily basis that that one doesn't stand out to me. Right. But for Ivy to recall those specific moments, I, you know, it it made me, it validated me. So I was like, she actually saw me. I, I know that she can't, ex- she doesn't experience the things that I experience, but she saw me. Mm-hmm. She saw what I went through firsthand and she still stood there with me. And, and it's not like I was asking her to save me, but she understood her privilege and she saw how poorly I was being treated or the things that I had to consider that she would ne- she never has to, which mm-hmm. I'm glad. I don't want you to have to consider those. And the same thing with my other friend. And, you know, I appreciated that on a level that I don't think anyone will ever understand because that is, that is all we want. We want someone to see us, mm-hmm. see what we deal with, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and acknowledge that that's not okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not saying that she has the power to change every single thing that happens in my life, but we need people who are willing to acknowledge, say, hey, I know that this hasn't happened to me, but this is happening to someone I care about. This is happening to people who don't deserve it. Mm-hmm. So we need to change the infrastructure because ultimately, what are they doing to deserve the discrepancy in treatment or the discrepancy in, in ability to purchase a home or discrepancy in being able to just walk through Macy's and not feel like you being are followed. a leper. Mm-hmm. I done been followed so many times and I done bought so much stuff for like my girl and it's like, I'm be I, and I know that I'm being followed. Like I know somebody's behind me, and I just come in wearing this mm-hmm. normal. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't. I I shouldn't feel like I got to put a suit on to go out and shop. Right to show that you're worthy to go shop. To show that I have enough money, money. to purchase mm-hmm. whatever it is that I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I don't know how many times I went into an expensive store and nobody says anything. Honey, I went into. Pop bellies the other day, and it was like the record scrape. Like the, the I just walked in, and I was like, <laughs> Can I get a sandwich? I'm just gonna go get it. <laughs> I want mean, everyone to stop and just turn and look at me as I walked in, and I'm just like, I'm hungry. Yeah, yeah like yes. you see, I'm, I'm eating for two now. Right. You feel me? Like, I need to give me a little pot belly sandwich. Yeah, yeah, and and I'll never forget the. I think it was after Trayvon Martin and my girlfriend posted and she was like, you know, the fact that I have to have the talk with my son and all you black parents know what the talk is and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And I was all, what's the talk? And she was like, we all have no to have the, con- we, yeah, we all have to have a conversation yeah. with our kid about not having your hood up, walking, you know, with your hands out of your pockets and making sure you're looking people in the eye and you're answering them when they're talking to you. And none of None of that keeps you safe. But I would have never in a million years thought I would need to talk to Brian or Ivy or Katie about how she needs to walk down the street. How because she, they don't offend other people with their presence. Yeah. Existence. And it just, it killed me. Like, I was like, how is this even possible? And how is it that I haven't known about it until now? You know, and that's all part of my white privilege is that I didn't need to know about it because I lived this whole different world. Although I was loving and accepting of everybody around me, I was just completely ignorant as to how you have to go about living your life. Like, it killed me earlier when you were like, we're not allowed to be scholars. We're not allowed to be smart. We're not allowed to have money. We're not allowed to, you know, as a as a black people... We can't have these same things that you guys just have. If you do, then you're considered, you know, a unicorn. Or you, you must yeah. have 
had help or yeah. how'd you get here? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like when it, it, it's, just, it's funny because like when people hear me talk, they're like, "Oh wow, like you, you, you're so good with your words and you pronounce everything and blah blah blah." Do you just want to? You're an articulate young man. Yeah. yeah. You, you, is that, when when people say that, oh, he's so well worded. I just want to smack them and say, why wouldn't he be well-worded? He's an pu- educated young man. Because everything I'm supposed to do is be like, yeah, 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 you know what I'm saying, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's what it's supposed to sound like to, you know, to other people. When it, but when they see me, they think that. But then when I talk, they're like, hold on, how do you know all that? What do you, oh, like, yeah, and it's like... <laughs> Like, I'm a nerd. Like, I really go to sleep. And, you really are and, a nerd. And listen. To, I literally go to sleep and listen to lectures. Like, that's what I do. Like, if I have. If, yeah. Like, if, you know what I'm saying? Like, if I have to. I watch some trash TV. You know, I, I mean, I watch. I watch. I know you, know, you do. I watch boo-boo TV every now and again. You know what I'm saying? But for me, like, I don't like to talk on subjects that I'm not educated about. So, like, if I know I'm about to go talk to somebody about something, I'll be like, all right, let me go make sure that I read up on this before I have an informed conversation. Otherwise, I'm going to just be sounding like, oh, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's cool, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't <laughs> yeah. want to be that guy. Yeah. And, and you know, when I go to interviews and stuff like that, and I'm well-worded and stuff, and, you know, one, <laughs> it's so funny. So I was interviewing for a position at um, at my current job in, in Dallas. Mm-hmm. And when I f- went for my first interview, Everybody was like, oh, man, you know, you did a really good job. You know, I wasn't I wasn't expecting that. Okay, mm-hmm. but, you know, I let it go. I let it go. I let it ride, whatever. So now I got to my second interview. And then my second interview was with the HR director of the company, which was, a you know, white gay man. And it was another Asian lady that was with him. I came in dressed better than him. I had a three-piece suit on, tie, all that. I had my little book. I had questions for them. I had five questions for them. And, you know, some of the questions stumped them. They was just like, um, you know, I never actually had to think about that, you know? <laughs> and this was, they interviewed me, and then I had to, you know, you got to interview them. So then I'm talking to my HR manager, who was a black dude, his name is Sandra. He was like, uh, yeah, you really made a, a really, really, like, good impression on, you know, yeah, HR director, I don't want to throw his name, Sean. He made a really nice, <laughs> you know, really made a really great impression on Sean and, and, and all of that. And he was very impressed. He he wasn't he told me that he was not expecting that at all. He didn't think I wrote the thank you letters because my handwriting was so good. He didn't think that, you know, he didn't know. I remember know. hearing that in high school. People would say stuff about Irv's handwriting all the time. Yeah, the people say it now. Like when I when I write to him and then I, you know, provide my stuff, they're like, yo, who wrote this? <laughs> huh? Me. I wrote it. Nah, you didn't write that. They said that about Joss that. too. <laughs> yeah. Hers could be a font. <laughs> like, yo, like, what you mean? Like, why can't I be excellent in something? You know? Right. So when I wrote the thank you letters and all of that, and I gave it to him and and everything else, it was just like, man, I I wasn't expecting this at all. But it's like, why? Why can't you expect this from me? Why right. can't you expect excellency from me? Why can't you expect greatness from me? Is it because I joke all the time? Is it because I curse? Is it because I'm goofy and I'm just playful and whatever else? Like, I'm an entire intelligent being. Like, I could sit and have a beautiful conversation with you for four hours, and then I could talk nothing but ridiculousness <laughs> for the rest of, you know, for yeah. 20 hours. Yeah. I could do that because I'm able to, to, 
you know, shape shift and yeah. travel in both worlds. Cold but switch. yeah, but you know, it's like people think like, you know, because of how I dress or because of who I am, or because of how I sound, like this voice that I have right now is my professional voice. I don't change in front of people like I've been sounding the same since you met me, since you met me, <laughs> since you met me. Mm-hmm. I don't sound any different, but people treat me so much, you know, so differently whenever they actually are able to have a sit down conversation with me. Mm-hmm. And that's just you just know me. Imagine all the other black kids who don't have that opportunity, who may not sound as intelligent as yeah. I do, but are just as bright, yeah. who may not have, you know, the ability to wear certain clothes or whatever else. But they're just like me. There's plenty mm-hmm. people. There's plenty of black people just like me. Women, boys, all that. But they can't get a fair shake because of outside perception. Mm-hmm. And that's one side of the spectrum. I've experienced the other side where I was hired because I was black. Mm. And I won't say the name of the organization because I, I genuinely love the organization. Mm-hmm. And I don't want anyone to see that organization in any other light than, you know, excellent because it is a great one. But I know that I was hired specifically because I was black. And the direction of the program that we were starting was catered toward black and brown communities. Mm-hmm. And you have this this staff of all white women. They're not going to relate as well as I would with them. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when, when I got into the position, I'm, I, I, felt, I, I felt like a sellout almost. Mm. because I knew why they hired me, but I still took advantage of this opportunity that I wouldn't have had mm-hmm. otherwise. So you felt guilty I about did. taking a job. Holy I moly. I felt guilty because oh my goodness. I was like, I know they're only hiring me because I'm black. I'm so much more than a black mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. But that's what they see, and they were like, great, we need a black person. But it was an amazing opportunity, mm-hmm. and I feel like I impacted so many lives working there but in the back of my mind, you know, you show up to work every day and there's no one there that looks like you. And you know, I'm that token. Mm-hmm. I'm in every picture. Mm-hmm. They make sure I show up to every event. There have been events where they were like, we need her there because she's black. And I'm just like, well, I'm, I'm going to go because I, I deserve to be at the same tables. Mm-hmm. But it stings to know that I'm only going because I'm black. No one cares about my credentials. No one cares about, you know, what I've done, mm-hmm. my resume. They want their organization to be seen with a black face. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had women, I've had some of my, my former coworkers even, you know, acknowledge how I would speak to my black and brown, you know, children because I would talk to them differently than they would talk to them. Mm-hmm. Because I know... There are certain things that I could say to them that they would receive that a vanilla counterpart would say and they wouldn't it wouldn't it wouldn't it wouldn't be received the same way because they don't have the same relatability. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it may seem like I'm being aggressive or I'm talking to them a certain way, but I know what they go through. Mm-hmm. I know what they experience. I know what they're dealing with. So, yeah, it's going to sound differently than when I talk to you. And, you know, I, I will say in that notion, they did the kids a service by bringing me in. But at the same time, I know there are countless people who feel the same way. You know, we're, we're straddling the fence between feeling guilty and taking advantage of an opportunity. Mm-hmm. 
why why should we have to feel that way? Why should we have to have those two feelings coexist so often just to be at tables that we deserve to be at? Yep. And then with that, too, they will weaponize your opportunity and say, oh, well, Jocelyn got there. Why can't why can't you get there? Yeah. So it's it's that double edged sword as well to be like, well, I'm in this beautiful position and opportunity to impact black and brown kids and things of that nature. But I also know at the end of my time, because it was a duration, it wasn't a, hey, we want you to stay for this amount of, you know, longer than this, because we know that you're going to continue to keep making that impact in people's lives. It was like, no, we need you for this pocket of time. After this pocket of time, thank you for everything that you've done, but we no longer need your services. That's something that, uh, you know what I'm saying? That's something yep. that, that, you know, white people don't necessarily have to deal with. And that's a reality for us. Because if she turns that opportunity down, she can't put that on her resume. Mm-hmm. Which could have stopped her from getting a different opportunity. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's nuts. Like, it's, it's nuts. Because even, even myself, I can't speak to exactly that. But when I was, a, um, when I was an avid tutor... At a Fossil Ridge for a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Come on, Fossil Ridge. Yeah. <laughs> shout out. I didn't go there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shout out Ridge, uh, class of 2009. Um, <laughs> but yeah, when when I was there, the you know the avid lady at the time, who I'm no longer cool with anymore, but the the head of avid at the, at that time was a, you know a close white lady to me. Like you know, I called her mom, all of that. We, mm-hmm. we was tight, and then. When I got there, I was the only black avid tutor there, like at all. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay. And then the kids, you know, kids nowadays are a lot different than when we was growing up. You know, they are all about social media. They're all about, oh right. You know, and a lot of their, a lot of their language is like disrespect. It ain't just like, oh, you know. We're just talking blah, blah, blah. Like, a lot of it is disrespect. You, I mean, you would know because you're a teacher, so you, you hear the kids. But, you know, when I would talk to them, and I know how I was brought, just like she was saying, I was brought in order to relate to them and be able to, to get a grasp on them and be like, hey, you know, you're much more than a football player. You're much more than a basketball player. You're much more than, you know, a track athlete. Like, you can go to school and do this. You can go to school and do that. You don't have to be a doctor, a lawyer, uh, a physician, a physician. You don't have to be that. You could go work in HR and make six figures. You can go, you know, smaller scale. You can go be a phlebotomist and make money. You could go be a radiology tech and make money. You can go be an ultrasound tech and make money. There's so many other things. You go be an electrician, a plumber, a carpenter, a, you know, a welder. Welders make money. They make a lot of money. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you could do so many things. You don't just have to go to school and and do that. And those experiences that I was able to give them that she probably wasn't going to be able to relate to them because they're just looking at it like, uh, here's this pale-skinned white lady who blind-headed, don't know nothing about us, can't relate to us, mm-hmm. lives all the way out in the country and doesn't understand our struggle at anything else. Mm-hmm. But I can talk to this 25, 26-year-old black guy who's cool and... He talks like me, slangs like me, dresses like me, you know, moves around like me, does the same things that I like, but he's smart as hell. Mm-hmm. So 
You know, that was an opportunity that I'm able to put on my resume. But then after my time, it was over with. It was over with. I made one, I made one mistake. I was gone. Wow. It wasn't no, oh, uh, you know, we know that you've been in this community since forever. We know that you've been talking to kids since you left here in 2009. We know what kind of impact you're making on our kids, blah, blah, blah. It was nothing like that. It was stuff like, well, why are you eating with the kids during lunch? Huh? What you mean? I can't have, I can't eat lunch with them. These are the same lunch rooms I grew up in. Like, why can't I have lunch with the kids? It, well, you know, you're part of administration or you're part of the, you know, teaching staff, so you can't necessarily have that type of relationship with them. Okay, so you brought me here to do this. Be relatable, show them this, show them the way, blah, 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 whatever else. But you also want me to have a disconnect with them? How does that work? Right. It doesn't. So that's why kids are lashing out, calling teachers all type mm -hmm. of names. It feels and, disingenuous. Yeah, disrespecting them because it's like and this white lady know. don't, you know. Yeah, they know, they know when know. it's fake. Yeah. yeah. They, these, that white lady don't care about us. Like I still have kids now that I reach out to via Snapchat and Facebook and mm -hmm. Twitter and whatever else. And they know they could call me for anything mm -hmm. and we'll just talk it out. They know they come to the house and kick it and they got to stay the night, whatever else. Like, they know. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. How many relationships do you think that they have with, with, you know, with teachers like that, with their principal? I've never met my superintendent in my life. <laughs> Ever. Mm -hmm. I don't know who he is. I never did. Mm -hmm. And I know them kids don't know who their superintendent is. Yeah. I know they don't. Yeah, And they don't even know what the superintendent does. Yeah, they might know now. Yeah. <laughs> And we but, had some terrible principles. Right. Yeah. And, and even then, yeah. like, they, they may know now because they sent out a letter saying that we care about black lives and, and all of this other stuff. Okay. So, a, um, a man... A pandemic and a social <laughs> injustice riot before I can Before identify. I can get a letter. But, yeah. But, but, and then show me. You know, don't just say it. Show me. Yeah. Don't glad hand me and, yeah. and do all that stuff. Like, yeah. I want to see Betsy Price go to the east side of Fort Worth. <laughs> Go to Stop Six and speak to, you know what I'm saying? Speak to a community leader and see exactly what it is that they're going through. You have go to right. Como and oh, talk yeah. to the, go you know, to yeah, go yeah, to the Como go to Church Como. Yeah. And, and highlight the people that is in that community that, you know, people try to get loitering tickets to because they had a gas station because where else are you going to go? The AC in my house is broke. I can't go in there. My community is a trash. We can't do anything there. The parks are closed. The, par yeah. the parks are closed. Community centers closed. Community centers are, are garbage. Yeah. So even if they were open, yeah. they're not even good enough. My for one us in to Hanley be, is garbage. Like, bro, what are we like? What are we talking <laughs> but, about? Yeah, right. Well, yeah. You know, like I, I can't even tell you how difficult it was for me. I mean, literally, the fact that it took me this long just makes me kind of embarrassed. But trying to find out who my city council person was, mm -hmm. who my NPO was, was difficult. I went to one community meeting when I very first moved because I wanted to be very involved and there was a rape at a drug house in my neighborhood mm -hmm. and the NPO's response was, well, she shouldn't have been in that house. And I was like, no, she shouldn't have been raped. That's mm -hmm. the, that's, I stood up, I jumped out of my seat and I started yelling. And then I was like, I, need to, calm. <laughs> I, I need to calm down. And there was a, it, it, he was like, it's like the girls on West 7th that, um, 
because she reported the rape the next morning mm-hmm. and he's like it's the it's like the girls on west 7th who dress all trashy and they go home with a guy and then the next morning he raped her and i'm like you're putting this on her <laughs> it was i like i had to walk out of the meeting <laughs> Like it doesn't matter how yeah, like it doesn't matter how a girl dresses. Like if she wants to dress the way she wants to dress, yeah. So control yourself, dummy. (laughs) Like why do you have to be? Yeah, why do you have to be such an animal, bro? Like because she's drunk, like born with brown skin, right? Yeah. So, but the whole point is is that it's hard for us to even figure out who we need to be talking to, who we need to be communicating with, who we need to be holding accountable, right? For not having a citizen review board still three years later, five years later, however long it's been, right, right, you know? Right. But, it's just, you know, it's, those are things that are hard to, to, to understand and come by and stuff like that. And, you know, one yeah. thing that I've always, you know, said to people who have the notion that, you know, well, you know, black on black crime is happening. Why y'all never protest about that? I said never in my 28 years of existence have I ever seen a protest for white on white crime? Right. Not once. Right. Ever. So now that we're protesting against, you know, police brutality and blah, 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 you want to bring all of that stuff up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I call you, not call you out on it, but when I'm talking about it, you're asking me to provide you stats. What better stats do you need than video? Mm-hmm. Right. And then when I provide the stats after telling you, you know, look at the videos, then you get to the point of, and I have, I have a question with that. Why do, you know, why do white people ask a question and you provide them stats on that question? You provide them the direct, you know, accountable Mm -hmm. response to that. And then they say, you know, something like, oh, well, why are you calling me racist? <laughs> like, yeah. I didn't call you. Ra- like, right. I had a conversation with a dude I went to high school with. I didn't call you racist at all, bro. Like, mm-hmm. I did not say it one time in this whole thread. And I'll show y'all the thread after. I didn't call him racist not one time. I just asked, why? Mm-hmm. You know, like, why is it okay for you to think that way? Or say the things that you're saying. But when I come with my rebuttal, now I'm calling you racist. No, if I was going to call you racist, I would have said it. Mm-hmm. I'm not scared to say it. Right. I'm not scared to speak. But what's 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 you the, could take that kid. I know. Yeah, like what's <laughs> like what's the what's like what's the guilt on that? Like what is that? Well, that's why I don't understand. Like that's, well, that's absolutely what I don't understand. It's absolutely just that they they don't. Well, or worse, I think is you provide the stat, you show them the stat, and then they twist the stat. Mm-hmm. Or you see the stat right in front of your face. Here it is. I had this conversation the other day with this. I got so angry I had to get off Facebook. I looked at the stat, and he said, "Well, statistically speaking, I have a higher chance of being shot by a black man than a white man." And I was like, "That is not what the stat says." And can you not put that on Facebook because that's not like you have completely obliterated what you were, what everybody is trying to say because you looked at one side of one column and said, that's the one I want to look at. And mm-hmm. that should let you know right there that stats can be manipulated. You can swipe right whenever you, you know, mm-hmm. stats can be manipulated. Oh, if you've taken a statistics, statistics class, class, you learn that first off. <laughs> quick, stats can be manipulated. <laughs> Numbers to read are however not, you want it to exactly. read. Numbers yeah. are not always the way that it seems. Yeah. So it's just like, you know, when you try to give me the black on black crime stats, mm-hmm. or you try to give me this stats or whatever stats, I'm just like, 
okay, I could provide you stats too. How are you going to respond to that? Yeah. What, and then it's like total de- deflection yeah. mm-hmm. um, because I don't have stats. Mm-hmm. I don't have anything to back up what I'm saying. So I'm just going to be like, well, you're still killing each other. You know, or, or, oh, well, that's not the number one killer of, of black people in America. You know, it's diabetes or heart disease or whatever. But why is that? Because you forced communities of color to live in a food desert where all mm-hmm. they can afford is dollar McDonald's burgers. And you're not, they're not allowed out. Yeah. There's, not a, there's not a central market on the east side of forward. No, there's not. So I have to dr- five miles before I get to a grocery store. And that's the Albertsons at John T. White. How how quick until you get to a gas station? About two seconds. There's one at the corner of Hanley, Hanley and Meadowbrook. You feel what I'm I saying? Mean, yeah. I, yeah. I live within, I mean, if I had to walk, I mm-hmm. could, mm-hmm. to a Whole Foods. But I guarantee you, I could go in there every single day, stand there all day long, and I would never see any of my students or their parents mm-hmm. in there shopping. Mm-hmm. And they live probably closer in walking distance than I do. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... Even though you may, they may not live in a food desert, can they afford what you're putting in their community? Right. I can't afford to shop at Whole Foods. I go there only for a Halo Top. <laughs> that is it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just go for the, but, you know, yeah. for the fresh and, vegetables. And we're, <laughs> we're running a little bit over. I know that you need to, oh, to man, take look, off we, real quickly. Hey, we, we, we are talking to Fort Worth Famous. I'm here <laughs> to you know, provide Get information and, yeah, and provide narrative. I lost, I lost my cool on Facebook the other day when I saw a white girl i'm sorry <laughs> saying yeah. i'm sorry you see? She, she, you see? she said all of this back and forth and he really i'm, so, I'm sorry it's okay Mom. i'm reading this whole conversation irv's making point after point after point and then he just says i need to see the stats in, t- in order to take your word so that <laughs> real, i thought i was playing quick before i talk about my little rant on facebook uh. my friend Tyrone posted on Facebook and he's someone who we know and love. I've known him and loved him for years. And Mm. he was posting about how he was walking home from the corner store, getting his Fanta. He's in his Chewbacca jacket and his Star Wars pants. You know, it's Thanksgiving. He's Mm. all comfy. His path home gets blocked by a police car. And they're like, you fit the description of someone who raped someone miles away about 15 minutes ago mm. and he's like i live here i'm i'm clearly walking you know i'm not out of breath i'm i don't fit your description and um it took his neighbor his white neighbor coming outside and going yes he lives right here he just walked to the corner store and back before he was validated and and before the police officer believed him that yes he does live in this place, mm-hmm. and you and Ivy had the same situation. I was coming home from doing P ninety X at Mariah's house one night, and mm-hmm. at that time I had a silver Ford Mustang. Mm-hmm. So I literally was driving from Kroger to Pasco. That's like what a mile, a maybe? mile. Mm. I get. I turn on um, in front of the high school and I see a police car behind me. Already, you're already a little unnerving. I mean, mm-hmm. unnerved, but I'm like, I, I didn't do anything. So I'm just going to go home. I go home, pull into my carport. The police car pulls up behind me, blocks me in the carport, gets out. And it wasn't until Ivy heard me talking. Because at this point, I'm like, 
He's like, you fit the the or your car fits the description of a, of a robbery that happened at CVS. I'm like, I just came from working out. Mm-hmm. I live here. And Ivy opens the door, sees this policeman standing in between the door and me. Who, and I'm still sitting in the car. But he like he followed me home, blocked me in the carport. And it wasn't until Ivy came. And Ivy was upset. I think I was crying at that point. But Ivy was upset. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and it's just... I'm 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 a sweaty mess. Mm-hmm. CVS has cameras. Yeah. Did you see this sweaty black girl in <laughs> leggings and a headband running from CVS to hop into her Ford Mustang? Like, no, you didn't. But you still felt like it was necessary for you to follow me all the way home. You didn't put on lights. You didn't do anything. You followed me home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's scary in and of itself. Incredibly. Yeah. Uh, so I lost my cool on Facebook the other day because a, a woman in one of the groups that I'm in, she said, um, you know, I'm seeing all of this stuff. I'm seeing that demonstrations are happening. I'm seeing all of these things. You know, what can I do to help? Mm-hmm. And everybody's answering her to do this, do that. And then she edits to add. I only want to hear from people of color. I want you to tell me what what I need to do. I want the oppressed to tell the oppressor what I need to do to fix it. And I lost it. I was cussing mad. (laughs) Ivy and Katie were both like, it was weird to see you cussing on Facebook because I don't. (laughs) And I just was like, educate yourself first. That's the first and foremost thing you need to do. And then you need to, you know, walk the talk. Don't just have empty words out there. And I was like, I swear if I see one more person asking a person of color what they can do. When the Native Americans had to walk the Trail of Tears Mm -hmm. and all of that stuff that they went through, nobody was like, yo, Native Americans, what can we do? Mm -hmm. They gave these people reservations, Mm -hmm. put casinos on them so they can make money, Mm -hmm. and they're good to go. Mm -hmm. Give them lots of alcohol. When the Nazi (laughs) Holocaust happen mm-hmm. right hey whatever you know we're gonna give you guys this and this and blah 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 give you a day remember the holocaust all of this blah everything right for it seems like for every other type of people they get something but for black people it's just like we'll figure it out mm-hmm. we they did jim crow they didn't you know what i'm saying like they weren't like okay well we're gonna you know we see the laws that we did we're gonna do this and blah 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 and then we'll be able to, you know, assist you this way through reparations or whatever else because of slavery and stuff like that. It's just like, ah, well, just just get over it. You're not enslaved anymore. It's over. Mm-hmm. Like, why do we have to ask you? You know, like, why do we have to tell you about a problem that you created? Yeah, right. exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. that doesn't, to me, that doesn't make sense. If I'm mistreating Ivy, I'm not going to just keep being like, yo, Ivy, what do I, what can I do to just make this right? What can I do to yeah. make this better? What can yeah. I blah, 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 blah. Because or, or worse, Ivy, you shouldn't have done that to make me do this. You're blaming Ivy for your own behavior. Right, exactly. Which is, which is what happens all the time, which too. Is, which is just, yeah. you know, almost cursed. Yeah. But yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> like, it's yeah. really ridiculous to, yeah. to think that. Like, instead of just being accountable saying, you know what? Ivy, I mistreated you. I talked to you crazy. I apologize. I will no longer talk to you crazy anymore. Yeah. Instead of just doing that or just being like, you know what? I've seen for history, we've made legislations against you people. We've made this. We've done this. We've done that. We've done this. Let me go ahead and just 
you know, let me go ahead and make a legislation for you in order to get you to where you need to go. One thing that I've that's been very apparent, you know, like the LGBTQ, I don't know what other letters that they've added. And that's I apologize it, the plus sign now. Right. At the end. You know, they they come up with, you know, you know, that community comes up with new words. I feel like every day I get a new letter or something every day. I, you know, they have laws. They have protections, protections, mm-hmm. you know, things for that community. And it hasn't been a long time that, you know, the LGBT GQ, I'm sorry, but, you know, it hasn't been a long time that that's that that community has been like, you know, up and running and, and fighting for stuff and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, right. Maybe since the 70s. Right. The 70s. Yeah, Black people Harvey have been fighting Milk. since day one. Yeah. Day one since yeah. Jamestown. Yeah. And there's not there's no legislation. There's no nothing that protects black people. Nothing. Yeah. Except for what the Thirteenth Amendment, mm-hmm. and the Thirteenth Amendment is conditional as well, because if you're if you go to jail or you go to prison, you are now property of the state. Mm-hmm. So slavery still does exist. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. that's that's written in legislation. There's nothing that frees us really, nothing. Like racism is systemic. Mm-hmm. Can't get certain jobs can't get you know certain loans can't get small business loans right to where we can help boost with the economy or help our own communities mm-hmm. healthcare is substandard healthcare is trash sub- your, your food is garbage yeah you know what i'm saying like we mm-hmm. can't we don't have we don't have that type of stuff we don't and when we try to do for our own communities then it's like oh well you got to have white people in there too yeah Huh? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. How come I can't get we can't that? Leave them out. How come I can't right. get that? Um, what's that called? Like for college, where you get like a grant or it's not a grant scholarship. Scholarship. Yeah. How come I can't get that scholarship? Because I'm because I'm white. Why is this only for black people? Give me a break. Because this because is a, every other one is from white. Yeah. People. Because yeah. this is a predominantly white institution. Yeah. If you went to Grambling, you could get a scholarship. Which, but why would you go to Grambling? But H- and the fact that HBCUs were created for that specific reason. Yeah, there right. was a need. Right. Yeah. So you could you could literally go to Grambling today and get a scholarship for being white. You could do that. Mm-hmm. But in your mind, you already know that you won't necessarily have all of the resources and things that you need in order to, you know, further your education at Grambling. Because there's already a stigma that, you know, Ohio State is going to have way much more of a, you know, uh, a hold as far as if you show your degree from Ohio State as opposed to Mm -hmm. showing your degree from Grambling or Prairie View or whatever Mm -hmm. else, it's going to hold, like she said, it's going to hold more weight. It just is what it is. There's nothing that we can necessarily do about it. Funny thing, why, why are we celebrating black kids when they go to Columbia or Stanford or Pepperdine, or whatever, you know, or mm-hmm. whatever else, or Brown. Why is that so celebrated? It should be normal. Yeah, right. It should be, yeah. it should be normal. It shouldn't be on the news, black kid gets a scholarship to, to Harvard. Mm-hmm. If Ivy got a scholarship to Harvard, she ain't finna be on the news. Nope. Why? Because it's, it's normal. A, it's expected. Yeah, yeah, it's expected. Especially if it was academic. Exactly. Right, yeah. It would be like, oh, yeah, yeah, cool. You know, well, she's supposed to do that. So now we can just move on with our lives. 
we automatically if a lot of times when we hear stuff like that we're just like okay what what sports is he playing that's the number one thing i yo yo is he football is he basketball yeah is it football Mm -hmm. basketball track what like what is it yeah but you know i'm here on academic scholarship Pre-med. Right, because they're going to be like, right. hmm, pre-med, what do you mean? <laughs> I'm like, going into what? political science. Right. I'm here to change things. So, Shake I'm, things up. Right. It's it's a lot of that, and, you know, I just, yeah, it's an everyday thing that, you know, we have to necessarily deal with and grow up in and stuff like that. So, you know, it's good to have the conversation. I think this conversation needs to happen a lot more often with other people mm-hmm. in, you know, other communities and stuff like that, because then you could get to a point of understanding instead of just being like, well, I heard that, you know, black people are inherently violent. Mm -hmm. I haven't punched anybody in this room today. (laughs) (laughs) And you've been here a while. You know what I'm saying? I've been here over two hours and I I haven't haven't punched anybody. I've known you for almost two decades and I've never known you to punch. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Do you feel endangered in your home right now? Nope. Nope. (laughs) So I think we're, you know, I think we're making progress. (laughs) So I think having those type of interactions and understanding, you know, being able to laugh and, you know, be able to hear stories from, you know, where she's coming from and stuff like mm-hmm. that and, and be like, you know, man, that sucks. Like what what necessarily could I do in my community to be able to help to hold other people accountable to let them know that, you know, there are injustices happening right under your nose and you don't even realize it. It's you need. That's exactly what you need to do. You need to be out in your community. You need to. Yeah. And know I, you're gonna be uncomfortable. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be uncomfortable. Yeah, for everybody. Yeah, it's gonna be uncomfortable for your black friends to open up to you and tell you, this is what happens. It's gonna be uncomfortable for you to open your eyes and see it. I mean, I never want to see anything happen to either of the two of you ever. And right. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've been out on Fat Varsity. I've, I mean, we made a joke one time about how lazy can we dress and get into Varsity. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the people right behind us, the boys that. We, I went to high school with right behind us. They can't come in. Mm-hmm. Joss and I are in sweats. Mm-hmm. No, no, you and Morgan were in sweats. Yeah, me, I wore real that's clothes. true. That's true. <laughs> Joss wore real clothes, but Chucks. <laughs> right. Yeah. But yeah, you do. You have I to mean, be willing. We were to out be... one time. Our friend is blackout wasted. Jocelyn's holding her up. She's holding her ID to her forehead. <gasps> they let her in. They let her in. Dang. <laughs> that's that's. Against yeah. the law. <laughs> wow. A lot of things should be against the law, but yep. if we operated on should be's, we would we should be a better nation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I watched an interview earlier where um I can't remember what news network it was on, but I watched this white lady's face ju- it finally click. <laughs> I saw it happen on the news. Because mm. he was like this is a generational thing. This is going to continue to be a generational thing until we finally do something about it. Mm-hmm. And like it had never occurred to her that this was all in the past to her. And he's like, mm-hmm. no, this will continue. We have to make changes as a nation. Stop blaming everybody. And inherently, we have to make these changes. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, it's great to blame one person or another, but we have to change things and mm-hmm. that starts with making sure you're registered to vote making sure you get to vote mm-hmm. because where do you vote all of those things yeah registering is fine and great but can you be there can you get off of work can you leave work to go can you be up early to get there 
Do you have it a is car a to get law there? That you get to vote. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, but but people don't know that. Right. You, you, they don't know that they can just say to their employer, "I'm leaving for a couple hours to go vote. I'll be back." They're scared, you know. Right. So they're like, or they can't physically make it there. Like yeah. that's that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you can stay in line as long as you have to. Yeah. They can't kick you out. (laughs) As long as you're in line before the polling place closes, you... I ran in the door with seconds to spare. This man was holding it up for me. Come on, come on, come on. (laughs) I was like, I'm going, I'm going. Oh, man, yep. Yeah, well, and, you know, um, what's that that phrase? Stay local, get vocal, you Mm -hmm. know? Start start in your own backyard. Make sure that you're not intimidated to join a community meeting. And, and... We have to start call. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, we've lost friends over the last couple of weeks, but mm-hmm. you have to start saying to yeah. your friends, "This is not okay." Yeah, and you know, hold businesses accountable too. It's not just, it's not just yeah. individuals. And and there's a a place on Main Street, the Hot Box Biscuit Club, that all of their um, the owners of the business were obviously heavily influenced by Black culture. They've got the notorious PIG and. A, Pimpalicious shrimp sandwich, and you know all of these mm. things, and sounds good, <laughs> right? And some, sounds delicious. <laughs> and someone said, "Hey, you know, you guys have obviously been heavily influenced in this. Here's your menu, and and you're you're being quiet about this whole situation." Mm. And their response was, "Thanks." And they were like, this is all you're going to say about that? And I, they were like, none of your concern. I had a friend. I've been wanting to go there, too. I had yeah. a friend for yeah. the past, um, I'll tell you off mic, but I've had a friend for the past, I would say, 10 years, maybe 10, 11 years, mm-hmm. that I've been super duper, duper tight with since forever. I'm talking about... He got kicked out of his mama house for, you know, doing drugs, whatever like that. He came and stayed with us. He didn't had situations where, you know, run-ins with the law, blah, blah, blah. I'm talking about left work and went to go bail people out at 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I knew I had work the next day at 7 a.m. You know, picking up, just doing so much for this person, right? Mm-hmm. And it was a, it was a white dude. And I asked him, he was playing, he was playing Call of Duty. <laughs> and I asked him in the lobby, like, yo, what do you feel about, you know, what do you feel about everything that's going on? You know, the Black Lives Matter move protests, blah, blah, blah. What do you think about everything that's going on? Mm-hmm. Mind you, he has a, a black girlfriend, a black best friend, and he hangs around nothing but black people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as my friend, I needed to challenge him. I need to ask, yo, like, where do you stand on this? I swear to God, I can't make this up. His comment back was, you know, man, it's, it's unfortunate. Huh? What? So I asked again, and I was like, so what? Like, like what'd you say? He's like, you know, man, it's unfortunate. And I was like, so that's it? Like, you don't got no, no comments, no, no commentary, nothing that you want to necessarily speak to about everything that's going on? He said, nah, man, it's unfortunate. Black girlfriend, black best friend, hang out with nothing but black people. And you, the best that you could give me after 10, 11 years of friendship is that's unfortunate. That's all I could get. That was it. And for me, that, for me, that was it. And that's, 
that's what we necessarily have to go through in a nutshell, right? Mm -hmm. You can benefit from us. Mm -hmm. You can benefit from our culture. Mm -hmm. You can make money off our culture like the hot box is doing. Mm -hmm. You can use all of our slang. You can fight for your right to say the N-word, even if you're not black. You can wear black clothes. You can, you know, businesses like Versace and Louis Vuitton and, you know, What's the other what's the other company? H and M, stuff like that. Like you can do all of these things with black people, be in business with black people, all of that stuff. But when it comes to speaking out and really being accountable for it, that's unfortunate. That's none of your concern. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's it. Yeah. That's all you need. So then from that point, you can't get no money from me. You can't get no support from me. My community won't support you no more. And would we'll, we'll just make you suffer by not spending money with you. Cause I was telling my mom the other day, you know, there's no disrespect, but this is all this is this is historic. This is historic. This has you know, you just have to understand this. The two languages that white people speak is money and violence. That's it. Look at history. Everything either had to do with money or it has to do with violence. Mm -hmm. If you don't take money away from if you don't put the fear that money will be taken away from you in your way of living and things of that nature, then nothing will be, nothing will be done. Right. What's being enacted now with the protesting is the violence aspect of it. I've tried every single way that you wanted me to do. It didn't work. Now I'm going to try it the way that you've been doing it to everybody else for however long. And now it's no, well you can't do that. You got to try it a different way. Okay, so now we stop spending money with you. Stop funding whatever it is that you do, blah, blah, blah. That's going to have to be the next step. And if and that, I feel like, for me, that step is going to work a lot more than anything else. Because now if I tell you, okay, all this money that you use to get this big house and put your kids to school and do this and do that, if I start taking that away from you, mm -hmm. then you're going to start making laws to say, okay, how do I get this person to start funding me again? How do I get this person's, you know, loyalty or, 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 you know, consumerism so it can help my business? Because those are the only two languages white people necessarily speak. The oppressor and whatever speaks. Mm -hmm. Violence and money. That's it. That's all history has been. And the, the thing that still breaks my heart about that is it's still not genuine. They're, they're they're wanting to figure out what they need to do mm -hmm. in order to get your money back. Exactly. And it's just, it's heartbreaking that, you know, you're still not seen as a person. Your voice isn't heard. Mm -hmm. It's your money is heard. Your violence is heard. Mm -hmm. But you're not. And it just, I've cried many, many tears. And I'm just like, <laughs> 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 you still don't get it. People. Yeah, it's all just people but you know as long as you can you know hold yourself accountable yeah. and hold the people around you accountable mm -hmm. then eventually it becomes it becomes culture yeah it, it, it's you know it's a like grassroots yeah mm -hmm. people always say it's 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 the culture when you know the nfl players was beating their wives and doing all of this other stuff what they blame it on the culture mm -hmm. culture they, is what it allows yeah they blame it on the culture when you know schools are doing certain things and you know, it's wrong. They blame it on the culture. Mm -hmm. Everything is is dependent on 
the culture and what the values are, what your moral values are. So if everybody can hold each other accountable to have those moral values, that moral compass, that Bible that people keep thumping over people's heads, but the Bible that the same Bible that you're thumping, you haven't opened up to read. Mm-hmm. It's it's the simple things that people are, are forgetting. You know what I'm saying? Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love your enemies. Even if you want to smack your enemy in the face, mm-hmm. you still gotta, you know, you still gotta have to be able to show love. Like for people like us, we should be mad at white people. We should be throwing stuff everywhere. We should be breaking down the whole house right now. If we had the opportunity to. We have justification too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not that we should. But it's it's the nature of black people to love, to show empathy, to be empathetic, to you know, say, hey, I know that you did this, but my morals and my values condemn me to say, I can't do it back to you. But for how long? And that's what's happening now. The question for how long is happening outside now. People don't want to say for how long anymore. They want to say, you're either going to hear me or you're going to feel me. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's it. And now you can see the culture of policing. You can see what's wrong with policing. Mm-hmm. It's accountability. Police are not holding each other accountable. The the old white dude that got shoved, and now everybody's outraged about it. And he, you know, he's in stable, serious but stable condition. Like his entire his entire team resigned yeah. in 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 solidarity with right. the, with the two people who got in trouble. Right. So ima- imagine <laughs> right. What? So that that's the thing. That's that's culture. Mm-hmm. That right there is culture. The culture of that police department is what you know, all for one and one for all. That's it. It's us against everybody else. Yeah. But our tax dollars are Paying your salaries. Okay. (laughs) So from there, now what? Now what? And those people probably, those police officers probably don't even know the people in the communities that they're policing. Yeah. So. I I mean, if it's it's that difficult for me to figure out who my NPO is, he sure as heck doesn't know who I am. Right, and he doesn't stay in your neighborhood. He doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't shop where you shop. He doesn't yeah. go where you go. And he doesn't know my street. He doesn't know at all. Yeah. Nothing. At all, and that's the biggest problem. Like, it should be a mandate that if you're going to be a cop in the Fort Worth Police Department, whatever, you know, you have to be from Fort Worth. You have to have a home in Fort Worth to be a cop in Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. You have to have a home in Dallas to be a Dallas PD. You have to have a home in, in whatever, Fort Hood or, or L.A. or whatever else to be able to police in that particular place. And then, smaller than that, I got to know what re, you know where your house is located at. And I need to know that you can police your house within a, whatever, ten, five to ten mile radius. If you don't live within that region, you can't police that region. Mm-hmm. Like, I need to know that. So that way, people won't be so scared of the cops because it's like... Oh, yeah, Officer David, man, that's my dog. He was at my barbecue yesterday. That's mm-hmm. my boy, you know? And it, it builds that it builds that community to where it's like, okay, I'm not scared of the police because if I get pulled over and 
you know, Officer David knows me and he seen my car in the driveway and he knows that my tail lights out and he sees my car and he pulls me over, he's gonna be like, yo, what's up, Irv? What's happening? Man, you know you got your tail light out. Boy, I've been telling you to, to put that tail light <laughs> in since since whatever. Mm-hmm. Man, don't make me give you this ticket, man. When you get back to the house, go to you know, go to AutoZone before you go back home, get to the house, and when I get off my shift, I'm gonna teach you how to put the lights in your car. It's something that that simple. Mm-hmm. To where it would alleviate any fear that the police officers would have. Because I've also yeah. heard the other side, you know, they don't want to live in the town that they patrol because there's such a, a stigma and opposition against cops right now. But that's because we don't know you. And that's because right. we don't know what you look at what you're doing. Look at what you're what you're allowing. Yeah. And that, like I said, that's the biggest thing. If for me, if I could do anything and if I could go in, which I am going to vote, I need to re- get registered. But whenever I go to like a town meeting or something like that, mm-hmm. I'm literally going to say there needs to be a mandate for police officers to be able to only police in their region. That's it. Because then it builds that community so where people are now accountable and being like, yo, Officer David, you can't be doing this when I know you live across the street and you acting like this. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, there that's, needs to be that. That's why that citizen review board needs to get up and running. Yeah. You know, be- yeah. because it will be an accountability factor for the police. And I think that they should have access to everything, including the budget. You know, you need to justify me on this to me on the citizen review board why you need two million dollars for a new or for fuel for a helicopter or, you know, like whatever it is. It's like, coming out of my, that it's coming out yeah, of my money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I have yeah. to pay that to you. Yeah. You don't pay anything. <laughs> yeah. And uh, now I can't get, I don't have a voice. Yeah. So you just get to take my money, do whatever the hell you want with it. And then I'm just supposed to move on and be like, oh yeah, the blue lives matter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No. No. <sighs> <laughs> I am so riled up. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I think this has been a very good conversation. And I hope that people who listen to our podcast, who live in Fort Worth, hear it, hear what my friends are saying, hear what is really happening and start to make the changes that we know we need to make. This isn't something that we can avoid or sweep under the rug or hope it goes away next next week or... This is not going to go away. It's going, well, without us doing something about it. We need to do something about it. We can't just keep saying, oh, well, that was sad. Or, oh, that's unfortunate. Or, that's none of your concern. This is everybody's concern. These are everybody's friends. These are everybody's family. Mm -hmm. We got to do something about it. Yep. And it, it's not just, it's not just us. It needs to keep going like you said generational we need to generationally make sure that this change is happening and continuing and and we need to keep having the conversation and and not because it's not the hot topic in a couple months not revisit it we need to revisit it and we need to you know make sure that we're we're intentional yeah intentional with it so Thank you so much. Oh, man. You know, <laughs> hopefully guys. I can bring my velvety voice back on the uh, podcast. Anytime you and, want. And, and, and talk about something funny. Because yeah. I'm, I'm funny. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> humble. Yeah. Good looking, too. Yeah. All right, Mom. Be careful. 
<laughs> Don't have Dale blowing up my Twitter, mom, because you oh, said something God. to Irv. <laughs> yeah, at Irv Beasy on Twitter, if you want to have a real conversation with me, I'm open to dialogue at all times. Yeah, Jocelyn, thanks for taking time. I appreciate it. I love you so much. No problem. You know, you are an amazing, strong mom, and I just admire you a whole ton. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to pee my pants. Okay, me too. All right. But Joss gets to go first. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Until next week when we have a guest. I'm so excited. Yeah. Is it Tony Green? I'm hoping so. He hasn't answered me totally yet, but I'm going to leave here and I'm going to go cruise all his favorite spots on Magnolia (laughs) and be like, let me pin you down. Tony, Tony, Tony. (laughs) Talk to me. Yes. So he was my counterpart when I... Won my Fort Worth Famous Award, uh, coolest local celebrity oh boy, female. Yeah. He was coolest local celebrity male. Wow. Yeah. Susie Ramon. I'm cool by association. Yeah, you <laughs> are. Same. <laughs> Same. It's the coolest room in the house, then I guess I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, y'all, so much. And definitely come, come on back whenever. All right. Okay. Thank you. Love you. Mean it. Bye.